Hi, everyone. St. Louis Crossing friends and family. Uh, it's David and Julie here. Hello. Hi. We're so glad to to be able to speak to you and just say to you that we pray that your Easter is a wonderful, wonderful day. That Resurrection Sunday will be all that it is supposed to be for each one of us. We're grateful that we get to celebrate it together. We're sad that we don't get to celebrate it with everyone at St. Louis Crossing, but we're grateful today for the resurrected Christ. And uh, we celebrate him and uh, we celebrate you too. We're, we're missing all of you and um, just look forward to the day when we can come together again and worship um, our risen Savior. We love you guys and we yes. will see you very soon, we hope. God bless. Happy Easter! Happy Easter from the Millers. Hi, everybody. Happy Easter from Tom and Sandy and the whole Miller clan. We miss you all. Happy Easter. Together, together we live. Together we live. Happy Easter. From our family to yours, happy Resurrection Sunday. Happy Easter from the Rose family. Jesus Christ, your Savior is always near. A hand, someone to lean on. Happy Easter from our family to yours. Just take my hand, Holy Spirit. Hey, St. Louis Crossing Church, Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. We wish you a blessed Resurrection Sunday. We miss everybody and hope to be together real soon. Happy Easter from the Swagmans. He is not here. He is risen. Good Resurrection Sunday morning, dear brothers and sisters. That announcement that he is not here and he is risen is the reason that we have to celebrate on this Resurrection Sunday morning. However, most likely, this is the most unusual Easter of your lifetime, and I'm praying it will be the most unusual Easter of all of our lifetimes. This morning you may feel saddened, frustrated, maybe even a tad bit angry or happy in the past. The Sunday morning, you may find yourself a bit chaotic or confused or just concerned about what the future holds. Maybe you, like me, have found yourself over the last few days and weeks to be discouraged, disheartened, or just plain down. If any of those words describe you this morning, then I hope that a message from God's Word on this Resurrection Sunday will provide encouragement and hope to you and bear fruit. As you can tell, I'm delivering this message in a place that's familiar to all of us. This may very well be the place that you were married. It could have been the place that you remember bringing your children to their first worship service. Possibly it was a place that marked your spiritual new birth. Maybe this place conjures up magnificent memories of saints who are now with the Lord, or laughter and 
the sounds of kids from VBS, or even possibly those Sunday school lessons where you learned the core of your faith. But this Sunday, this place, although it's significant to all of us, has one thing in common for every one of us. This sanctuary today is empty. This is not how it should be in the greatest day of the year. This is not the way it's supposed to be in the greatest day on the Christian calendar. It is my prayer that this empty sanctuary will help point us to hope and truth about a few other empty things. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and undefading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And then verse 8 and 9, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him, and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Jesus had died. He had been crucified. There was no doubt that the crucifixion of Jesus was real. It was a historical event that took place on an actual day, in an actual place, at an actual time. It was the physical and literal death of Jesus, the Christ, incarnate, meaning in flesh, Son of God. They had removed his body from the cross, and there the cross stood empty. What is the significance of an empty cross for us on this resurrection morning? Everything that the sacrificial system pointed forward to, as Jake described to us on Friday evening, everything that it pointed forward to, now the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world had been fulfilled. You see, his sacrifice was acceptable. There was no other requirements. His sacrifice was sufficient. There was nothing else to do. His sacrifice was complete. There was nothing else needed. Jesus had died in our place. Our sin demands a payment, the payment of death. But we cannot make restitution for our sins. Only a perfect, spotless sacrifice could make payment for the sin of the world. That sacrifice was Jesus. And on that Good Friday, as they, right before they took him off the cross, he cried out, It is finished. My salvation, your salvation, is because of that historical, literal, physical event that took place on that actual day, at that actual time, in that actual place, just outside of Jerusalem, on the place that is referred to as the skull, or Golgotha, or Calvary. It was there. 
It was there, in that place, that we were saved. And only by placing our faith in that saving work of Christ can we be saved. Please understand, it's not our faith that saves us, but it's the object of our faith, Jesus. More specifically, Jesus who died as our substitute. The Jesus whose death on the cross is the only cure for the curse of sin. An empty cross says that we no longer have to remain in our sin. We can be forgiven. We no longer have to be condemned. We are free. We're free from the wrath of God because the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus on that cross. And now the cross is empty. And now that wrath has been satisfied. An empty cross leads to an empty tomb. You know, there are tombs all across the world. For instance, Abraham Lincoln is buried in Oak Ridge Cemetery at 1500 Monumental Avenue in Springfield, Illinois. The Prophet Muhammad is buried in the Green Dome in Saudi Arabia. Joseph Stalin is buried in the necropolis in Moscow, Russia. That's where their bodies are. But you see in Matthew and Mark and Luke and all the Gospels, it says this about Jesus. It says he's not there. As a, matter of, as a matter of fact, Mark says, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? In other words, the Bible is clear. The tomb of Jesus is empty. He's not there. What does an empty tomb say to us? First, it says that God the Father validates who Jesus was. It says that he was indeed the Son of God. He was indeed the Messiah. It also says that God the Holy Spirit vindicated Jesus through his resurrection. In other words, it's as if the Holy Spirit is saying to the Father, he's not guilty. He's not a sinner. He did not deserve to die. But the Father accepted his death in the place of sinners who trust in him. They do deserve to die. They are the sinners. He is not, but he's vindicated. And finally, the empty tomb says this about God the Son. He's victorious. He's victorious over sin and death. The grave did not have power to hold him. Death did not have dominion over him. Sin could not destroy him. In other words, the empty tomb says he has won the victory. The empty cross and the empty tomb are central symbols to the Christian faith because they point us to a resurrected Savior. First Peter speaks about a faith that's a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus who was crucified. Just as we believe that Jesus literally, physically died and was crucified, we believe on this Sunday morning that Jesus Christ literally, physically, and I'm adding bodily, resurrected from the dead. This same Jesus is now alive. And a resurrected Savior brings us resurrection faith. You know, God wants more for us than just a theological confession. He wants to do more in us 
than just an assent to some historical facts. Although those are good, and yes, we must make those theological confessions and, uh, and agree and believe in that historical fact, there's something much more wonderful he wants to do inside of us. He wants to produce a resurrection faith in us. One of my go-to verses is Galatians 2.20. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The resurrected Savior means that we can go through each day with a faith, with a trust, a trust in this Jesus that's alive. We place our faith in someone who's alive today. And brothers and sisters, this morning as you sit there, wherever you are in your living room or, or out on the porch or wherever you may be this morning listening to this, Please understand that Jesus is alive. He's ruling and he's reigning. Oh, and we can have faith in that. He's the one. This Jesus who's alive is working all things together for good. He's the one who gives us power to live our life. Our lives are all about this Jesus. Resurrected faith brings a resurrected life. Resurrection is just not something we celebrate. All of that's what we're doing this morning. In a, yes, in an unusual way, in a weird way, in a strange way, this is unlike any other Easter that I know. But Easter is more than just an Easter ham or desserts or Easter egg hunts. It's, it's more than just a celebration. It's a life. It's a lifestyle. Everything in our lives should be impacted by this resurrection life. Do you believe it? It's a lifestyle that is of unusual stability, firmly anchored in the good news of this resurrected Christ, the good news of the gospel. This resurrection life should impact and influence every area of our life. A resurrection life is not in bondage to anxiety and fear and anger and guilt. A resurrected life is influenced and impacted and is marked by a life of peace and truth and love and joy and forgiveness. I hear people say, and I've said it myself all the time, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to work through that. I don't know how I'll ever make it through. Well, folks, let me tell you how you're going to live this life. You're going to do so as a resurrected life in the resurrection power of Christ. Because everything that you are, a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, a child, a student, a, an employer, an employee, everything that is what makes you you is impacted by this resurrection life of Jesus. Resurrection faith brings a resurrection life, and that gives us resurrection hope. There's a direct connection between the resurrection and your future hope of eternity. Your life, as we've said, is under the reign and the rule of a risen Savior. And that means that right now you can rest and you also can have hope for then. The empty tomb and the empty cross points to a resurrected Savior who is our present rest and our future hope. I have hope this morning because Jesus is ruling 
in reigning over this universe. You see, nothing catches him off guard. Nothing can stop his perfect plan. There's nothing too big for this Lord that is ruling and reigning. We can have hope that he's in total control. We can have hope that he's reigning. And this morning, I have hope. And you want to know how I have hope? Because I spoke with him this morning. One of my favorite songs of this time of year is a song by Nicole C. Mullins called My Redeemer Lives. And actually, Debbie Newell sings that way better than Nicole Mullins. It has one of the greatest lines in any song that I know. At the end of the song, it says, I know he lives, I know he lives. And then in a dramatic fashion, it says, because I spoke to him this morning. The tomb is empty. He lives, and I'm going to tell everybody. You've spoken to him this morning. Do you know he lives? It doesn't just end there, though. There's a future hope. Can I speak just honestly and transparently and boldly to you this morning? The world is paralyzed by this sickness. And everybody is paralyzed by the fear of death. Dear brothers and sisters, if you are saved and in Christ, death is nothing to be feared. It's our future hope. It's the time when we finally get home. A place where there is no disease or no death. We get to see the one who is worthy to receive all glory and honor. It's there our future hope is where we can join with the angels and sing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That's what our future hope is. There's another song, I won't quote the whole song, it's in the song list for this morning. It's called Because He Lives, and I'm sure you know it. The end of the first stanza says, an empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Then the chorus says, because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. And then there are these words. Then one day I'll cross that river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. And then as death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know he lives. Do you believe that? Is that what you believe this morning? Can you say, as Jesus said to Mary and Martha, that he was the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Have you placed your faith in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life? Have you confessed him as the resurrected Lord and Savior. This morning, there are probably two groups watching us. There's those of us who know the symbols of the empty tomb and the empty cross, and we're trying, by, this, by the grace of God, we're, we're wanting to live a resurrected faith, a resurrected life, and hope of a resurrection. There may be somebody watching, though, this morning that, that you're not there. You haven't bowed your knee. You have not repented of your sins. You've not 
decided to follow Christ as the resurrected Lord. If God is calling you this morning, if he's speaking to your heart, now there's nothing magical about the prayer, but the prayer is a way to acknowledge and to bend your knee before this great king. And so maybe, if that's what God's doing in your heart this morning, you can pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I know I can't save myself. I know you promised to save those who repent and put their faith in you alone. I trust you to forgive my sins made possible through the cross and give me eternal life by your resurrection. Today, I acknowledge I am a sinner who can only be saved by you, my Savior. Thank you for dying in my place and making salvation possible. Amen. On behalf of all of us at St. Louis Crossing, we want to wish you a great Resurrection Sunday. May this Lord's Day be one that will be remembered forever, not because of the situation that we're in, but because of the Savior, who is the King of this day.